When it comes to faith, we all have those big questions. Questions that can have a huge effect on our lives. And finding the answer isn't always easy. In fact, it's kind of hard. There are so many opinions and places to find information. It can be overwhelming. So we came up with a way to help. We put together a list of your top questions. Then we made a sermon series based on the things you asked. Each week we'll look at one of these questions and see what God's word says about it. We call this series, Ask Away. Come on, good morning, Go Church family. How you feel? Oh, come on, anybody love Jesus? Come on, take about five seconds here. We honor you, Lord, love you, Jesus. Why don't you look at somebody that you're sitting next to and tell them you pick the right person to sit next to today. Go ahead and tell them, say, you're making wise decisions. What an honor to see all of you here at Go Church on this Sunday. Love and appreciate you so much. Many of you know this. This is our broadcast campus. From this room, we live stream our gatherings to our West Side Atlanta campus, our campus in Montgomery County, Maryland, and everybody watching online today, whoever you are, wherever you're watching from, we say good morning and God bless you. All right, Go Church family, every location, can you put your hands together, greet one another, the family of God. Come on, let's do that well. Really good. And then every Sunday, we have a tradition where we give honor to the men and women that have served in the military or you're currently serving in the military and all of our first responders. Uh, this is Military Appreciation Month and so we wanna continue just to show some love. If that's you, men and women serving in the military, veterans are active duty, would you put your hands up at every campus and I want every room to show some appreciation. Come on, let's go. Come on, can you just take your volume up just a little bit here? God bless you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, we are starting an annual series here at Go Church. We do it every single year. We call it Ask Away, and that's because you really drive uh, the, the thoughts or the focus of this series. On Easter Sunday, for the last number of years, we give you a survey card, and on that card, we ask you to pick one topic that you would love to hear a message preached on. And so this year for our Ask Away series, uh, we're taking the top four most selected topics and we're gonna order them weeks one, two, three, four with the most selected, second most selected, third, and then fourth. I'll show you the four weeks in its entirety here. So as you plan out your weekends, you can see which week of this series you really wanna be a part of, which I'm challenging you to be a part of all of them. Today we're gonna talk about the book of Revelation and end times. Next Sunday, we're gonna talk about family. Uh, the third week, we'll talk about forgiving difficult people. Some of y'all felt that one. Come on, somebody, right there. And then the final week, we'll talk about anxiety and depression. So today, we're gonna to jump right into the book of Revelation and end times. Let me say a couple things up front, and then I'm gonna pray for you. I'm gonna invite you and ask you to pray for me. Take some notes today, all right? Take some notes. There's a message note card and a seat back near you. Uh, even if you're not taking notes for your sake, take notes so that it makes me feel like you're engaged in learning something, all right? Take some notes today. Um, at the end of the message, you may say, Pastor JC, you should have studied more, but this may be the single most studied sermon I've ever brought to you. Because um, it's a lot, the book of Revelation, and talking about end times. Uh, I'm not some expert in the book of Revelation, I don't know when the rapture is gonna happen. I don't know who the Antichrist is. Uh, but I do believe that the Lord, through his written word, 
And through our time together today, we'll continue to reveal some things to us, to challenge us just to be ready. Can I get an amen there? So I wanna challenge you to take some notes today. Uh, I have listened to sermons. I have, uh, man, I've, I've watched the Bible Project on the book of Revelation. I've leaned into Tony Evans, Dr. David Jeremiah, Pastor Chris Hodges. I talked to my father-in-law who is, he should really be preaching on the book of Revelation, he and my mother-in-law, but I believe that the Lord has put some things in my heart to share with you today, and I don't want you to miss it, all right? So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Every campus, just out of reverence and worship, if you would bow your head, close your eyes, let's take 10 seconds of, of just focus and concentration, asking the Lord that since you are here, would he speak to your heart not to be distracted or to lose thought or to be concerned about what's coming up, but you're here, so be here. All right, 10 seconds, and then I'll pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord, we are grateful that you are with us today because we know that when you show up, everything that we need is available. And today I'm believing that through your word that it will be challenging and transformational and life-giving. So I pray that spiritual eyes would be open, hearts would be open, and that there would be a readiness and receptiveness for every single one of us to take our next step. Lord, I am as much a student of the word as anybody else. So I don't stand up here to pretend like I have it all figured out and know all of the answers. The gaps in my theology, the gaps in my inability to comprehend or understand must be filled with faith. So I pray that for myself today and your people that we would have great faith to know that you are in control and you are sovereign and you are good and that all of the Bible really is a, a rescue mission. Your heart on display to save humanity. And so you give us your son, Jesus. And so we thank you for your son today. I pray that through our worship and through this word that you would be glorified and you would be lifted up. And we're trusting you, Lord, that the cross of Jesus would go before us. It's not my desire to be a famous pastor. I just wanna make you famous. It's not my desire to, again, pretend to have it all figured out. It's just my desire to, to preach the gospel of Jesus that changed my life and to stand on your truth that if it can save me, then I know your word can save others. All right, we give you all of the glory and all of the honor. In el nombre de Padre, Hijo y Espíritu Santo. And the whole church said, amen and amen. Five seconds here for King Jesus. Come on, let's go. Come on. All right. Let's jump in together. So we're gonna talk about uh, the book of Revelation and end times. And it's really not a surprise to me that the number one selected topic would be on this particular discussion. And here's a few reasons why. I mean, you live through a global pandemic, it's a big deal. Right now, just watch the news, I'm not encouraging that, but turn on the news, Russia and China are aligning themselves. There's all these mass shootings, sin is rampant. 
How many of you know people have lost their mind? Come on, we're living in some crazy times. You're hearing of earthquakes, tornadoes, hurricanes, and this may not impact, impact rather your world directly or this part of the world, but all over the globe, there's famine and drought. So it's not a surprise that people are looking at the signs of the times and thinking, all right, is, is this it? Are we coming to the end of it all? Are we living in the, in the last days? Are we living in the end times? And really, the only thing I can tell you is you're living in the time that you're given. So for all of us, there will come a day where we breathe our last breath. And so while we're alive, it's incredibly important that we make sure that our heart is right with God and we come in alignment with the word of God. But when we look at what's taking place, man, there's a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety. You know people and I know people that they are hunkering down in a bunker and canning food, preparing for the last days. And so this anxiety or this concern or this worry about what's next has created some uncertainty. I'll give you three common fears before we get into the book of Revelation. Let me just give you three common fears I think a lot of people are dealing with whenever we talk about the, the last days or the end times. A whole lot more than just three, but here's three for time's sake. Number one, I think people want Jesus to come back, but just not now. Like, I, I wanna live my life. I wanna, I wanna get married. I wanna buy a home. I wanna start a family. I wanna get my degree. I wanna make some money. I know there's some kids in the room, so let me, let me say it to you like this. When, when I got saved at 19 and then began to pray to get married, I would pray, Lord, come back, but not until after my honeymoon. Come on, somebody. I want you to come back, but just not now. Or we want you to come back, but what about the people that I love that aren't Christians? A couple of months ago, our missionary from India, David Livingstone, came and he spoke on a first Wednesday at this campus, and he said something that really just... It challenged me, it convicted me. He said, would you stop praying for the rapture to happen because if the rapture took place, there would be a lot of people left behind around the globe. You've got lost loved ones, you've got family members. I got family members that they don't yet know Jesus. And so this is why it's so important that, that together we evangelize the gospel and we tell a hurting world and a broken world and a lost world that there is good news in Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen right there? Or I'm fearful, I'm just, I'm, I'm fearful of all of it, the world ending, or, or I'm fearful of my world ending and the afterlife. So let me give you some comforting words that Jesus shared with his disciples as recorded in the book of John. And again, here, here's what Jesus says, and I just wanna speak this over you as maybe you feel the anxiety or the fear of the, the last days. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You don't have to be anxious. You don't, have to be, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to freak out. Here's what you need to do. Believe in God. Believe also in me. That's Jesus. Right? If you'll, just, if you'll just believe in God, you'll believe in Jesus Christ, you'll love God, love people, no matter what you see happening in the natural, no matter what you see taking place all around the world, you don't have to let your hearts be troubled. You can have a peace that passes all understanding because all of your hope, all of your confidence, all of your trust, all of your faith is in God. Can I get an amen? In my father's house, there are many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? Anybody glad that there's another place in this world? Come on. 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. That's the second coming. I will come back and take you to be with me that you may be where I am. And the church said, amen. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Have peace, have confidence in God. But again, and I said this in the prayer, but all of scripture is a rescue mission. Pastor Chris Hodges says it this way. And when you study the book of Revelation or the end times, it's not a horror story, it's a love story. That God wants to allow you and I to escape the pain of this world. Now you asked about the book of Revelation and so let's talk in detail about this particular book, 22 chapters and in about 34 minutes, I'm gonna cover all 22 chapters of the book of Revelation. Now my plan is, is to kind of put the cookies on the bottom shelf so everybody can have one to eat. Can I get an amen? There, there's a lot to the book of Revelation that I don't know. There's a lot that you don't know, but together we're gonna learn something today. Now, what I'm about to tell you is worth the price of admission, so don't miss it and write it down. It's the book of Revelation, not the book of Revelations. It's singular, not plural. Some of y'all put, put an S on everything. Come on, somebody. how many of you know somebody like that? It's not Belks, it's Belk. Just, I'm just here to help you out. It's not Walmarts. It's Walmart. So this is revelation, right? And it's one revelation given by Jesus to John. And, and, and I want you to see this because the Greek word is apocalypsis because the book of Revelation is apocalyptic in its writing. And that Greek word apocalypsis literally means the removal of a veil so that something can be seen. And so John believed to be one of the disciples of Jesus, that John has been exiled to the island of Patmos. And while he's being punished there, Jesus reveals himself in his glorified body and gives John a revelation. He removes a veil from John's eyes so that something can be seen that's never been seen before. And watch, this is why when you read the book of Revelation, you're going to read about beasts and dragons and stars and lampstands and swords and all of these is because John is seeing something that he's never seen before and he doesn't have the words to adequately describe. It's like asking John to describe a, a, a nuclear bomb. So he's giving imagery to all of the things that are happening, but Jesus gives him this revelation. Watch this. This is chapter one. We're gonna go through all 22 chapters. Watch. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice that was like a trumpet which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches. In a few minutes, we'll talk in detail about all seven churches. Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I, John, turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. 
His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held the seven stars and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword and his face was like the sun shining in all of its brilliance. And when I saw him, John said, I passed out. Because listen to me, look at me real quick. Because when you get in the glory of God, you cannot stand. I fell at his feet as though I was dead. And then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I I feel like preaching already, come on. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys to death, hell and the grave. Come on, if we don't clap, let's do it well, come on. Here's the revelation. So, John, write it down. Write write what you have seen. Write about what is now. And and write about what will take place. It's Revelation 1. And then for the next 21 chapters, we see these major events unfold. Now, time will only permit for me to give you six of these major events. If you, if, you, if you stay engaged and give me a few amens along the way, I'll throw in a seven one for free. I'm gonna give you six events that happens in the next 21 chapters of the book of Revelation. After, after the Revelation, John begins to write, and we read this a moment ago, he begins to write to the seven churches. This is called the church age. It happens in two chapters, Revelation chapter two and chapter number three. Now remember, Christ calls the church his bride, and he's coming back for his bride. Now, the church is not brick and mortar. The church is me and you. And so what we see in Revelation chapter 2 and 3 as Christ addresses the seven churches is how to be the type of bride that he's coming back for, the way you should act, the way you should live, the way you should behave, to have the the Christ-centered morals and purity and a desire for, for holiness and the things of God. And so through John, Christ calls out the seven churches to rebuke them of their behavior and to course correct them because they're off the wrong, or they're off the right track. They're on the wrong track. So as you see this, let me tell you two things. Number one, let's not just look at this as a collective body. Although these seven churches really do teach us what Go Church should be about. Let's look at this though as personal. In my own life, what is God speaking to me as we wait for the inevitable return of the Lord? Watch this, the first church is the church in Ephesus. And Ephesus was the epicenter of commercialism and culture in Asia. And they worked really, really hard and so God actually commends them for their hard work but then he rebukes them because They got away from their first love. They started to believe in their own intellectualism and hard work and giftings and abilities that they turned their back on their first love. Revelation chapter two, two verses here. Here's what the Lord says. Yet I hold against you that you have forsaken the love that you had at first. Consider how far you had fallen. Repent and do the things that you did at first. Maybe that's an encouragement for some of you that you've kind of gotten away from your first love. And the word of the Lord for you today is simple. Just repent and do the things that you used to do. 
get back to putting God first and Christ first. And then he says this, if you do not repent, I'll come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Return to your first love. The church in Smyrna, here's what the word of the Lord says. Even when you suffer, even when you go through persecution, even when you go through trial and tribulation, if you'll just be faithful, if you'll just remain faithful, if you'll just be steadfast, if you'll just be unmovable, then one day you will wear a victor's crown. Now, I'm not downplaying anything that you've gone through in your life or anything that I've gone through in my life, but when it comes to, to Christians in America, our suffering fails in comparison to some of the martyrs around the world. Believers persecuted because of their faith. Even right now, in different parts of our globe, there are people coming together in secret underground churches because they know if they get caught, they'll be murdered or killed. And here he says this. He says, look, don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. The devil will put some of you in prison to test you and you'll suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death and I will give you life as your victor's crown. The church in Pergamum. The city of Pergamum was known for its pagan doctrine. Preaching of false truth. As a matter of fact, watch this. In Pergamum, God says to them, stop compromising the word of God. Isn't that not what we're experiencing in our country right now? That morality and Christian ethics and values are trying to force us to compromise the word of God and you've gotta make a decision. Will you follow the teaching of, of false prophets and false gods or will you stand firm to the true word of God? He says this, nevertheless, I have a few things against you. There are some among you who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin so that they ate food sacrificed to idols and they were committed to sexual immorality. Balaam's doctrine was that of hyper grace. Listen to me. Doesn't matter what you do. Doesn't matter what decisions you make. Doesn't matter the type of life that you live. Doesn't matter how you act, behave, or what you believe. Hyper grace says that there is a grace for all of it, and God loves you all so much that you'll never have to worry about spending eternity separated from him. It's hyper grace. It's a false doctrine. But then he says, likewise, some of you have also held on to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Now, who were they? They were legalistic. They were hyper truth. Some of you grew up in a church like that. No matter what you did, you made a mistake, you sinned, you'll spend forever in hell. Now, the, the trouble between these two different doctrines is this. The real gospel, the true gospel of Jesus is not hyper grace or hyper truth. It's grace and truth. We need both. We need the grace of Jesus Christ because we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but we need the truth of God's word because it's his truth that will set us free. Can I get an amen from 53 people? Come on. The church in Thyatira, Thyatira. Be careful who you allow to be a spiritual voice in your life. Be very careful who you listen to for spiritual wisdom and godly counsel. He gives them this warning that 
that many of them had tolerated the, the woman Jezebel. And there's still very much a Jezebel spirit. And this woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet by her teaching, misleads servants into sexual immorality in the eating of food sacrificed to idols. Like, I don't know how long you've been a part of Go Church. If you're looking for a church, or if you're already grounded here and this is your church home, but at the end of the day, you need to be a part of a church that is not compromising the word of God. That that man of God or that woman of God is speaking God's word to you. They're not building their own platform. They're not building their own kingdom. They're not pushing their own agenda. They're just preaching the truth of God's word. Can I get an amen from somebody? That there is a way that seems right into a man, but in the end, it leads to death and destruction. Be careful who you claim to be a spiritual voice in your life. Then you get to the church in Sardis. Here's what he says about the church in Sardis. He says, on the outside, you look alive, but on the inside, you're spiritually dead. And look, at the end of the day, the church should be alive. Why? Because Jesus is alive. Some of you don't have to raise your hand, but some of you grew up in a dead church. You would have rather gone to a funeral than church on Sunday. I will say that. Because we know what that's like, don't we? Man, we dread going to church. I remember as a kid, I didn't want to go to church. My mama came in the room one day. This was, I was probably a little, I'm not going to tell you how old I was. She said, we're going to church. I said, I ain't going to church. She said, excuse me. I said, I'm not going to church today. She said, you got five minutes to get ready or you're going to church how you're dressed. I was like, well, we'll just see about that. I'm my own man. Tell me what to do. Five minutes later, mama came in. She said, you ready to go to church? I was like, I ain't going to church. It's boring. I went to church that day. Because <laughs> growing up in my family, we had a drug problem. Mama drugged me to church every time the doors were open. Can I get a witness from somebody? I went to church that day. Y'all, I was in my Batman PJs, wearing my Batman pajamas. And my mom was like, fill out a visitor card. I was like, name, Batman. <laughs> Address, Batcave. She's like, yeah, that's funny, ain't it? The church should be boring. This shouldn't be last on your, you need to be a part of a church that's spiritually alive. And let me tell you, Go Church is alive. People are coming to know Christ from Go Kids to Go Youth, even a bunch of y'all old folk. Come on, somebody. It's good to have a smile on your face, be a part of a church that, that God is using to make an impact in, in their community. And this is, this is the instruction. He says, look, wake up. Wake up, strengthen what remains, what's about to die. I've, I've found your deeds unfinished. There's still purpose for you, wake up. Remember therefore what you have received and heard, hold it fast and repent. And if you don't wake up, I'll come like a thief in the night and you won't even know what time I'll come to get you. Wake up, because he's coming back. Now, Philadelphia is the only church of the seven churches that didn't receive a rebuke, only encouragement. Because no matter what the church in Philadelphia faced, they always kept God's word and never denied his name. Here's what he says, I know your deeds. I have placed before you an open door that no man can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and not denied my name. Can I tell you, as a, as a follower of Christ, as an individual, and as a pastor of Go Church, I want that to be said about my life and this ministry. That even when we had little strength, 
even when we had little faith, we always kept God's word and we never denied his name. Can I get an amen right there? And then the final church is the church at Laodicea. And they were wealthy. They were prosperous. They were rich. And Jesus says to them, he says, hey, you've got a full bank account, but you're spiritually bankrupt. And you, you think that because you've got success and money and wealth that you don't need me. But you can't buy your way into heaven. You can't work your way into heaven. He says, as a matter of fact, you are lukewarm. You, you've got one foot in the world and one foot in the word. You got one foot in the world and one foot in the church. And he says, he says I, I know your deeds. And I know that you were neither cold or hot. He says, I, I wish that you were either one of those, but you're right in the middle. And so because you were lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you from my mouth. It's hard. Let me just say this to some of you today that you may find yourself a little lukewarm. I dare you to make a decision to go all in with Jesus today to give him a try, to put your trust in him, to put your confidence in him, to stop playing games, to stop just going through the motions, but to really commit your life to God and to say, I want, I want to give my heart to you and be on fire for you. And then at the end of chapter three, right here, at the end of chapter three, after all seven churches have been addressed, now we see the rapture take place. Now, a lot, of, a lot of people actually don't believe that there will be a rapture. And that's because the English word rapture is not found in the Bible. But remember, the Bible, if you go back to our Binge the Bible series a couple weeks ago, the Bible wasn't originally written in English. So if you go back to the original manuscripts, we see that this word rapture comes from the Greek word harpazo and the Latin word raptus. And it literally means to seize or to snatch or to grab or to carry off or to rescue. Are we good? Everybody okay? All right. Now, this Greek word harpazo is found 14 times in the New Testament. Most, most predominantly in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Where? There will be a trumpet blast. And at the trumpet blast, heaven will open and those who have fallen asleep in Christ, those who have died at the rapture, they, they will be raptured first. And then those of us who've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we will be caught up in the air with Jesus. Now watch this. I'm going to preach it the way that my father-in-law would preach it for about 30 seconds. There is coming a moment in the twinkling of an eye that the trumpet blast of God will sound, the heavens will open, and it will happen so quickly that Fox News, CNN News, MSNBC News can't keep up with it. People get ready because the rapture is coming. There is coming a, a snatching away, a grabbing away. Let me take you back to some of you older saints, some of you older Christians. Remember the Left Behind series? You remember that where the clothes were just there? Nobody was around. Matthew says it this way. When the rapture happens, there will be two men standing out in the field. One will be taken, the other left. 
Now, I'm not trying to scare you into a right relationship with Jesus, but what I am telling you is that just because you don't believe in it doesn't mean it won't happen. <laughs> that there is this rapture that is coming, and, and the, the saints of God, we, we will be taken up from this world. Thanks be to God for that. Amen. Revelation 4.1 says it this way. After this, I, John, looked. There before me was a door standing open in heaven, and the voice I heard first, the voice I first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said what? Harpazo. Raptus. Now let me show you something you may not know. From Revelation 1 to Revelation 3, the word church is mentioned 20 times. After Revelation 4.1, the church is not mentioned one more time in all of Revelation. Why? Because we ain't gonna be here. At this moment, come up here. Those who are dead in Christ and those who remain, they will be raptured and caught up in the air. Now, the rest of the book of Revelation, especially Revelation 6 through 19, if you are caught up in the rapture, you ain't got nothing to worry about. Don't let the tribulation cause you fear and anxiety and doubt. Put your confidence in God. Put your hope in God. And then even if you perish before the rapture takes place, you get to avoid the tribulation altogether anyway. And what is the tribulation? It's seven years of just all hell on earth. It's where literally, look at me, the wrath of God will be poured out. As soon as the rapture of the church happens, the tribulation begins, seven years of the wrath of God, and the Antichrist will sit on his seat of evil. Now, who is the Antichrist? I don't know. Some of y'all swore it was Obama. And the other half of y'all swore that it was Trump. But none of us believe it's Biden. I am so sorry. That's not nice. I'm so sorry. Some of y'all think it's your mother-in-law. Ain't her either. Now, I don't know who the Antichrist is, but I do know this, that according to Scripture, it will be a person of popularity, political power. It will be a person that will preach peace in Israel to draw them in only to tear them down. But watch, the Antichrist, just read the Bible, and I'm trying to help you cookies on the bottom shelf. The Antichrist cannot come until the rapture of the church happens. Are you with me? If you're with me, say I'm there. And so guess who won't be here? Neither will the Holy Spirit. Second Thessalonians says that the Antichrist cannot come until the Holy Spirit is removed from the earth. Where does the Holy Spirit live? So to those of you that say, well, look, I mean, even if I don't give my heart to the Lord now, I'll get saved during the seven years of tribulation. No, you won't. Who do you think draws you to repentance who do you think draws you to grace? Who do you think draws you to God's love? It's the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit is removed, there will be lawlessness, chaos, destruction. Look at me real quick. Give your heart to Jesus today, right now. Don't you wait. Don't you delay. This is not a game. Come on, are you with me? So the best preparation for the tribulation is to make sure you ain't around for it. Can I get an amen from 100 people? Then, 
the second coming of Christ happens. Now, the second coming of Christ is different from the rapture. At the second coming of Christ, this is where the seven years of tribulation ends and the battle of Armageddon is defeated. It's over, it's done. Jesus reigns victorious. Are you with me? Let me read this to you. This is better than me just giving you my words. Let's look at the word. I saw heaven standing open. There before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. That's Jesus, come on. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire. On his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe that's dipped in blood. Hey, that's the blood that was shed on the cross at Calvary. And his name is what? The Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on a white horse and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with, with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's a great place to pause right there and give Jesus thanks. This is the second coming where the tribulation ends and the battle is over and he is the King of Kings and he is the Lord of Lords. Now, you've been pretty responsive with your amens and encouragement. I'll give you one that's not on the screen. As soon as the second coming of Christ happens, guess what then takes place? There is a party. And look, this white boy can't dance until I get to heaven. And y'all better watch out. Come on, somebody. Not unusual to be loved by anyone. Oh, there's coming a party. It's the marriage supper of the lamb. And there will be music and there will be dancing. My God, there will be food with no calories. Can I get an amen from somebody? Now, I don't care what kind of food you've eaten in your life, what parts of the country you come from or you visited. Some of you have been to the nicest restaurants in the world. You remember that time I took you to the nicest French restaurant ever, McDonald's? When we showed up there, I said, baby, get you anything you want and super size it for my girl. It doesn't matter what food you've tasted. You ain't tasted food like the food you get in heaven. Why? Because everything that's ever been prepared by man has been prepared by sinner's hands. Oh, but there's coming a party where in heaven there is no sin. And it is the marriage supper of the Lamb. And listen to me real quick. There ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because a Holy Ghost party don't stop. I just thought I'd throw that in there for you. Hey, if we're going to clap, let's take three seconds here. Come on. Hey. I'm available for wedding entertainment with my dancing. After the marriage supper of the Lamb is the great white throne judgment. This is different than the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ, don't miss this. The judgment seat of Christ is when you will get your rewards for the work that you had done while you're alive on the earth. Now, your works cannot save you. Your good deeds cannot save you. The only way that you get salvation is by grace through faith. But you will be rewarded 
for how you stewarded God's blessing in your life. That's the judgment seat of Christ. It's a reward judgment. That's not the great white throne judgment. This is a heaven and hell judgment. This is where, watch, at the great white throne, John said, I saw a great white throne, him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. Watch this. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. Every single person that has ever lived on the face of the earth, billions and billions of people will line up on the great white throne judgment. And on that day, their eternal fate will be forever sealed. And watch, and there I saw books, plural, that were opened. What are these plural books? In these books are everything that you and I have ever done. All the good, all the bad, all the right, all the wrong. That time you flipped off that driver on the interstate. Come on, somebody. Noted. That time you lost your temper, that sin that you committed, all of it. That time you helped the little old lady cross the street. Everything you've ever done goes in the books, plural. But watch this. Whoa, hallelujah. But then there was one book singular and that book singular is the lamb's book of life you don't have to worry if you're in christ jesus about the books and being judged according to what you have done or what you will do if you say yes to jesus you get your name in the book the lamb's book of life and the dead will be judged according to what they had done as written in the books but will your name be in the book is this helpful for anybody Listen, every day is a gift. That's why they call it the present. Now, I don't know how many more sermons I'll ever get to preach to you. So if this happened to be the very last sermon that I ever preached, you hear these words from me. Get your name in the book of life. Give your heart to Jesus. Stop running from God. Stop running towards the things of the world. Repent of your sin. Cry out with true, genuine repentance. Align your life with the word of God. Invite Jesus to sit on the throne of your heart. Get your name in the book of life. And when you do that, I'll see you in heaven. Come on, let's take five seconds right here and give God the best praise you've got. Come on. Come on, if you're thankful for heaven right here, come on. Hallelujah. Yeah. And then the new heaven and the new earth. After it's all said and done, God will restore the earth back to its original state, back to Eden, the new heaven and the new earth. And let me tell you, this is the hope of heaven that there is coming a day where there is no sickness, there is no suffering, there is no disease, there is no cancer. Can I get an amen from somebody? There's coming a day where there are no politics, there is no traffic, there is no evil. There's coming a day where there are no bills to pay. There is no mortgage, there are no late fees. There's coming a day, watch this, where Chick-fil-A is open on Sundays and the hot light at Krispy Kreme is always on. Come on, somebody. 
There is coming a day where there are no more tears. There is no more death. There is no more mourning. There is no more weeping. There's coming a day where there's no more pain, no more curse, no more night. There is coming a new heaven. There is coming a new earth, but only for those who have their name written in the book of life. Come on and give God the best praise you've got. Hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Spirit. Draw us in, Lord. Draw us in, Lord. Heads bowed, eyes closed at every campus. Come on. Take 20 seconds right here. Come on. Hallelujah. Woo! Hallelujah. I give you glory. I give you honor. I give you praise. It's really not a horror story. It's a love story. Thank you, God, for loving me. Come on, can you pray that prayer of thanksgiving for about 15 seconds? Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for your grace on my life. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that, God, you will reign supreme forever. Don't let your hearts be troubled. I give you glory. I give you honor. I give you worship. Nobody's looking around. Listen to me. I, I would have not done the word of God justice if I missed this moment to challenge you to take a next step in your walk with Christ. Some of you, you're lukewarm. Some of you, you're just going through the motions. Some of you, you're exhausted and you feel overwhelmed. Some of you are fearful and anxious. Some of you have backslidden. Some of you have just been running from God. But listen to me. Don't worry about the end times. Worry about this time. Right here. Right now. While you have an opportunity to confess your sin and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. Don't miss this. Don't miss this moment to accept Christ as your personal Savior. And get your name written in the book of life, heads bowed, eyes closed, I'm counting to three. If you wanna repent of your sin, ask Jesus to be your Lord, maybe for the very first time, or to return home like a prodigal son or prodigal daughter, this moment is for you, come on. One, two, three, hands up and keep them up for a moment, come on, keep them up for a moment. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, anybody else, anybody else, 16, 17, 18, all the way in the back, my right, your left, 19, Lord, 20, right here in the middle, thank you, every hand you've seen lifted, Lord, every heart you know has been lifted to you, God, this moment is not out of emotionalism or manipulation or some fear-based message, it's an opportunity to repent of our sin and be confident and encouraged that you love us so much that you would pay the penalty of sin, that you would take our place. So I want every person to pray this prayer. I invite you, Lord, to sit on the throne of my heart. You get full control of my life. I repent of my sin.
I repent of my old life and I let you be king. Forgive me, Lord, and create in me a new heart. Fill me with the Holy Spirit because I need your Spirit's power to stay on the straight and narrow. Today, I declare that I'm never going back to my old life and I have great hope and great confidence that my name is written in your book. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church said amen and amen. Come on and give God the best praise. Come on.